Pastor Angela, and I just wanted to drop in and welcome you to Relate's podcast. I know that you're going to be filled with faith and encouraged for your week. We love you, and we're praying for you. Today, you're going to hear about some stuff that you might look at it and hear it and think, God, I don't know how I could ever do that. Lord, how? that's, not, that's impossible. But here's the thing. When we trust God, he transforms us. All we have to do is take the step. All we have to do is say, okay, I'm going to take a step. And when we do what we can, he, do, he does what we can't do. He does, he's in the business of the impossible. And so whether it's in your family, whether it's in your marriage, your relationship with your kids, we, we are trusting God to show up in every one of those. In fact, the first week we talked about relationship goals, making it Christ-centered. That, that's really our first. If, if you're not there, that's where you got to start making every relationship Christ-centered. And that, that's kind of a, uh, a mind shift, right? That's where I think I, we kind of know the, that we want our marriage to be a, a three-stranded cord is not easily broken, right? It's me and my wife and, and Jesus, those three. We got to keep them at the center. But when I think about my relationship with my mom, my relationship with my, my dad or coworkers or even my boss, well, that's just money. That's just my career. That's just my job. That's just my neighbor. No, let's put Christ at the center. Last week, we talked about being mission-driven. Like, the, really, the thing is, we think, I've had people tell me, Pastor Sean, I just, we're doing too much. We need to take a break. And I look at their life and say, what do you mean? You're, you're not doing anything. <laughs> of course, I'm not going to say that to you. You have to make those decisions for yourself. But here's what I'll say. If you don't have a mission that you and your husband, you and your wife are, are chasing and driving after, a lot of times that leaves a hole that nothing else can fill. <laughs> Being mission-driven. So go back and listen to last week's message. I'm not going to re-preach it now, although I'd love to. I want to introduce you guys to a couple that means the world to Angela and I. They're almost like parents, but also friends, but also coaches, but also mentors and role models. And like when they start talking, we start taking notes. In 2017, um, Doug and Susan Young, they live in California and they live in the, uh, I wish I could tell you where, in Los Banos, but they live in the farm, the Central Valley right there. Boom. For those of you who are from California, we got anybody from California here today? A few. There's a few of them. A few of them. So y'all can give a special secret handshake or whatever y'all do after the service. I don't, you're in Texas now, so <laughs> I know we got the Texans. Exactly. <laughs> you just represent whatever it is that you represent. All right. So Doug and Susan, in 2017, when we told them, actually, we told a lot of people, right? We told, we, we told our friends and family and, and people that we respected. And I would tell you that a vast majority of those people, when we said, we feel like we're supposed to start a church, most of them said, well, hold on a second. <laughs> Are you really sure about that? Some even offered us a job and said, look, Listen, don't don't try to start a church right now. That's so hard. Why don't you come work for us? Then you don't have to worry about it. it won't be, you don't have to start a church to make money. And that was never in my, my heart. And we figured out real quick, that's not how you make money. So if you're considering, we'll just start a church so we can make money. I'm telling you, that, that's not it. That's a bad, bad deal. So Doug and Susan, though, as soon as they heard, not only did they say, wow, that's awesome. They said, you can do it. You're made for it. That guy what God's leading you to do, he's going to help you do it. And we're going to help you do it. 
And so we got so much confidence from them. In December 2017, we were about six weeks from launching here in the theater from our first service in the theater. We knew we were going to meet here. We had so many, we had kind of people floating around us. We were building the team. They said, why don't you guys come to California? We can meet up. We can, you guys can meet, uh, meet the church. And we said, uh, that is scary to leave in the middle of all this stuff. There's so much work to be done in preparation. We said, okay, we'll come. We, pre we planned two, three days. We jumped on a plane. We, we went there. We had such a wonderful time. And so many seeds were planted into us that were just at the right time. But I can remember one moment, they took us to Yosemite. And as we're standing there in the Yosemite Valley, looking at those huge trees and just the wall of stone, of granite, just the imprint and the impact on me in that moment was so incredible that I kept coming back to it like over and over and over again. Even once we came home, that moment stayed with me. Little did I know that Six weeks from then, we would, we would literally embark on climbing a mountain that is relate. And you guys have so many. I feel like now we're like this team, and we're all going at it to do this work that God's given us. And all along, we've had some cheerleaders in California that have just been cheering us on, like, you guys can do it. And every time we have questions, I call him, and he'll take my phone call anytime. <laughs> Brothers, I call a lot of people, and you're the one that picks up and talks to me anytime. I want to invite them to the stage with me right now, but they mean so much to us. Today, whenever they're talking about relationship goals, here's what I would like for us to do. Pull out your notebooks. How many of you got your notebooks? All right, got your notebooks. Some of you held up your phone. That's not a notebook. That's just a phone. <laughs> but it works just the, just the same. I, I use my phone for notes, too. That's awesome take notes today. So as they're talking, they're not just talking. They're planting seeds. So you got to reach out and grab those seeds. So would you guys come and take the stage? We're so thankful to have you here. Would you guys give it up for Pastor Doug and Susan Young? What's up? glad to be with you. We came all the way from California to have a great Sunday with you guys. Yeah. Greetings from our Father's House, Central Valley. California. We've been praying for you. We've been believing with you. We've been sowing seed here since probably before you got here. And so we're thrilled at the progress. Pastor, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of Angela and the, and the family. Y'all Just love you guys. Y'all are amazing. Absolutely. You have amazing pastors. Yes. Come on. Right? When we do our 21 days of prayer, we pray for you. Um, we were praying for you before you even started, before you even knew there was going to be a Relate Church. We were praying for you. And so we're just honored to be here with you. And go Niners. Uh, Next year. Next year. Next yeah. year, right? Yeah. We're a young team still, but we got it. <laughs> <laughs> so all the way from the Socialist Republic of California, congratulations on those of you that got out. How many, how many from California? I heard a few shouts. Ooh, Come on. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's quite a few of you guys. Yeah. Man, good. I'm so proud of you. You got out. I mean, we're, we're still there. Uh, I, I tell everybody we're on the foreign mission field, like being in another country. And uh, we're there because God called us, and we're going to be there until God says we can leave. And, uh, and who knows when that will be, maybe till he comes back again. But we're going to be doing the work of God there. Of a great church. I've been there next week. 
think it's next weekend, right? It's uh -huh. the first, right? 27 next weekend? years. Mm -hmm. We start our 27th year, 26 years of work, beginning the 27th. So we're excited about that and, and just love God and love what he's doing here. And so uh, we came to, uh, to kind of lay another layer on this and come to see the work and encourage you. And we want to be a blessing to you today. Uh, and I hope that we can. We're going to talk about uh, blended families. How many of you are blending a family? Or come from Can't a see. blended family. Come from yeah, a blended family. Okay, yep. uh, how many have kids? Yeah, we're going to talk to All you. All right, we're going to talk about raising kids, blending families. And uh, how many single? Come Whoa, on, singles, give job. me a shout. Okay. All right. All right, singles. We'll start with you. We're starting with I want to just say I, I just admire uh, it's a rough time to be single. In our day and age, right? It's tough. Uh, I hear no, no. Somebody's like, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen. I think it's a great time. Uh, I just want to say, this, we don't talk about this much in church, but Paul said that, you know, one of the higher callings is to devote your life to the work of God. And so if you've done that, I congratulate you and my hat's off to you and I bless you today. And if you're looking, we've got some advice for you. Uh, so we're going to kind of start this with a little bit of a prep for you. We, we're a little bit about us. We've been married 18 years. I know that doesn't sound like a long time, uh, but we both we married after both of our spouses passed away, and so we took on the challenge. Despite the odds, you know, we read the books, we went to the seminars, and they all say don't do it, right? And just like you, Pastor Sean, when people were telling us, you don't know, do it, telling, don't do it, don't do it, people told us don't do it, and we were like, we have Jesus. We got Jesus. It's all going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be fine. We got Jesus. We can make it. And uh, that's when the fight started. Woo. Man, it, it, it was a challenge. <laughs> and we found out we needed some help. We needed some counsel. So I encourage you, don't hesitate to go get counsel. Uh, don't hesitate to go uh, find a good family therapist. Right. Come on, somebody. Yeah. You need help, get help. Okay, so we're going to start with the singles because anytime that we're doing a relationship series, we always start with singles. And the reason why is because any successful future has to have a clear vision. Any successful future has to have a clear vision. Right. Um, the more prepared you are, the better you'll be at life. Right. And so we want to make sure that you are good at this marriage thing because it's a forever commitment. Okay, And forever can be a long time if you're miserable. I don't know. Right, so, Pastor used to tell. He used to say, "If you if you marry right, you go to heaven twice." <laughs> I don't have to say the other part, do I? No. <laughs> you, oh, so it's important. And so we teach we teach this to our church family, and uh, especially our, our you know our singles and their, those that are looking, especially our ladies. This is uh, the five things a man needs before he is ready for marriage. And so we'll see them out at a restaurant. Maybe they're even on a date. And uh, they'll look at us and, you know, we'll wave, hi, how you doing? And, and, and they've heard this lesson, this part of the lesson. And, and maybe she'll look, when she's passing by, she'll kind of look back and she'll go, he's got three of them. Or he's got four of them. But sometimes it's like, five, he's got all five. Uh, but it's important that uh, a man have all five of these things. Are you ready? All right, ladies, come on. Genesis 2, 7. This is not in your notes because we added this on. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 
Okay, so the first thing you're looking for is think about this. God was so close to Adam that he put his mouth over his nose and breathed life into him. How more intimate and close of a relationship can that have possibly been at that moment? And so when you are looking for a spouse, the first thing you say is, what church are you going to and what department are you serving in? Okay, that's important. It's not just enough to come to the house of God, but where are you serving? Because saved people serve people. Okay, so first thing, where are they going to church? Do you have a relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with God? Do you know God? It's important that, think about it, Adam's first conscious thought, what he saw, what did he see first? The face of God. And that was where a man was designed to be. In that kind of a close relationship with God. Or y'all got you got that? Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and he put the man whom he had formed, remember that word formed, out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food, the tree of life. Amen. Come on, freedom. We live from the tree of life, right? Also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. Okay, so second thing, second and third thing. He gave him work and he gave him a place to live. So the second question that you're asking after church is, where are you working? Where do you live? Because living with your mama is not going to cut it. Okay, Um, so where are you living and what do you do for a living? J-O-B. Got a job. Are you working? That's a good question. Okay. Do you have a work to do? God, listen, work was not a curse. A lot of people think work's a curse, but we had work before anything else, before even sin came into the world. God gave a man a job. I want you to watch over this garden, and I want you to cultivate it. The word work there is actually uh, like like an, you plant a seed. Like, to say you have an acorn, you want to you grow an oak tree, you plant that acorn in the ground. What you're saying is, Work. That's what God says here. He gave him a work to do. He put man in the garden and he said, work, become. Everything he needed was within him already. All he had to do was bring it out. Become. And in 60 years, you get an oak tree. And so God has designed us to work. And when a man doesn't have a job, he malfunctions. Have you noticed that? How many guys come and testify? You need something to do, right? You need a work to do. You malfunction if you don't have a work to do. And so that's important. A relationship with God, a place to live, and a work and a job to do. Then the Lord God commanded the man, you may eat freely of every tree of the garden, but not of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God gave him a rule to live by. Right. So is he, um, does, is he lawless or is he disciplined? Is, does he, is he a man of integrity? Is he a man of character? That's what you're looking for. Okay? Rule. Does he, does he know God's rule to live by? So relationship? What's the second one? A job. What's the third one? Place to live. What's the fourth one? Rule, rule to live, to live by. by. All right. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that a man should be alone. I will make a helper 
him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to the cattle, to all the, uh, the cattle and all the birds of the air, and every animal of the field. But for the man there was not found a helper for him. Aren't you glad? Come on, guys, help me out a little bit. Aren't you glad Adam didn't see a you know a, a baboon or a dog or just said woo? No, that, there was no suitable helper. So God had work to do. So God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. He slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up its place. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to him. So the fifth thing that he needs is a need for a wife. And so what I see so oftentimes with women as is that we look at him and we go, he has potential. So then we start giving ultimatums and we start trying to push this man into marriage that he has not yet defined for himself as being ready to have. And so that's where arguments start. That's where things happen. And so you want to be really clear. A man needs to know for himself that he wants a help need. Not that you're trying to push him into something. God saw the need in Adam. And he said, it's not good that he be alone, so we're going to create. So there has to be a, an apparent, visible need and an and awareness of, of that need. And so God took from his side, from his rib, from under his arm, from his heart. Isn't that awesome? Not, not behind him. He didn't take a toe bone. I'm so glad he didn't take a toe bone. Right from here. So this is where the relationship should always be, that close, intimate relationship right here. And she knows that's the safest place she can be is right there, right. Right? right? Think about it. God took the woman out of the man. And so she becomes what completes me. She's the missing part of me. She's that part that I'm missing. God brought us together and now we are complete together. And so we value one another and we work together, not one ahead of the other, but side by side. Amen. So typically at this point, guys go, well, what do I look for in a woman? You go backward on this and you look. Does she have a relationship with the Lord? Right. Is she looking for a man who has a job and a place to live and a rule from God? She's not trying to push you into something. If she is trying to make things happen before you're ready, she's not ready. If she's becoming intimate with you before she has that commitment, she's not ready to be a wife. And so we need to really watch because just the opposite of what is happening for man needs to also be happening for women. Good advice. Good advice. What I wanted you to notice about the difference between formed. Look at what he says here that he made. God formed a man, but he made a woman. And God just scooped up some clay and like, oh, that's good enough. That was Adam. But when he, that word actually made means shaped. Come on, guys. Aren't we glad God had the right shape? Woo! I'm the only, one, I'm the only guy here that appreciates the shape. I'm glad God shaped a woman and, did, <laughs> and just formed us, right? Louisiana's yeah. coming out. Come Can on, somebody. I'm from Louisiana. I can't help it. And that's why Adam, that's why when he saw when he saw a woman, you know what he said? That's what, why she's called a woman. He went, Woo! Man! <laughs> God, you did good. All right. What I've been missing. 
All right, so that's all. That's that's all. Sing <laughs> yeah. All right, singles. Let's, let's move, move on. on. Let's get to okay. what we we really came to help you with today. And I want you to know we don't come here as saying, "Hey, we did everything right. We learned the hard way. We went to therapy. We got counseling. We talked to pastors. We talked to professionals, and we prayed a lot. Yeah. And we're still here. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Amen. So, uh, children can be a big source of argument, especially in blended families. And so we're going to try to help you with that. Uh, we want to navigate raising your family. Because here's the thing, guys. Even though it seems forever while you're doing it, all of my parents out there can say amen. feels like it's never going to end. It does end. And they move out. We're empty nesters amen. now. We're empty <laughs> nesters now, man. It's amazing. They move out. And it's, I mean, it's so much fun. Like, we can do whatever we want. We're like teenagers again. Come on. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> we don't have to worry about the kids. We sneak out at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Go to Denny's. Go to Denny's. I mean, and there's, you buy a, a box of Frosted Flakes, and you actually get to have a bowl. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. And we were amazed. All of our spoons in the house came back. Yeah. Seriously, we never had spoons when we had kids at home. How many parents know that? Yeah. Spoons, we had no. Spoons. We spoons bought them two or three times. And then yeah. they moved out and we found all the spoons and like they're never missing now. Yeah, it's amazing. It it's amazing. <laughs> Psalm 127 and 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of reward. So children are a heritance, an inheritance. They're a blessing. Yes. If they're an inheritance from the Lord, you know, inheritance sometimes means that we get something. And we always think of inheritance in terms of money. Kids are expensive. So, but we do get the blessing of children. And so we want to talk about that. And so let's talk about some things that parents argue about over kids. And let's try to overcome that. Our struggle was we're, uh, you know, my, their mother died. And for me, you know, their dad died, so. And, and it's like, I parented from guilt, trying to protect. I talking about helicopter. I mean, I came in the room, you heard. <laughs> I mean, helicopter parent. I defined helicopter parent. Uh, and I, I wanted to be fun, happy dad, and I was always trying to protect them. And once, it took me a long time, about, probably about five years, for me to finally realize I can trust her. She is trying to do the right thing for my child. It was so hard, and and, and just know that it's in, whether it's your biological children, because now we have many families. We have his, hers, and theirs, right? And you're trying to navigate that. There's a lot of stress, and there's a lot of tension there, and so we struggled. And uh, Susan's uh, approach was more authoritarian. Let's set the rules. Let's make sure they keep the rules. And I'm like laid back, and you know, hey, I'm a grace giver. You know, give them another chance. And, and, and one of my big mistakes, let me just help you with this. One of my big mistakes was I was that parent that would say, you're grounded for a month. And then like two days go by and I realized I've grounded myself too. Because when you ground them, you've grounded yourself. Because you got to watch over them to make sure they keep the grounding. And it would always, by two days, I'm like, I'm tired of this. All right, you can go. <laughs> go play. And she would be like, wait a minute. You're letting them off. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just tired of watching them. I'm tired of keeping them grounded. 
And uh, that makes you sound terrible. It does sound terrible, does doesn't sound terrible. it? I, I just realized that while I'm talking, I'm like, that's awful. But I did it, and what I learned was to only say what I was actually going to do. Don't threaten. And when you're mad, you want to make it big, like a month sounds like a long time. But if you're only going to ground for two days, then let it be, you know, you're grounded for two days. That makes sense? Yeah. It's yep. really important because uh, clearly defined boundaries make a child feel secure. When there's not any clearly defined boundaries, yeah, they're going to push them. They're going to, you know, they're going to push all the boundaries. But if they're not clearly defined, what are they going to push against? So you clearly define the boundaries, and that's what we had to do. But we did it together because we tried doing it separate, and it was war. Let me tell you, it was war. We didn't fight about money. We didn't fight about anything else but the kids. But, buddy, we could just, it, it got, it got so, tough. So combine that with the fact that you each come from two totally separate families, and you both think your families were normal. Like, I think my family was normal. He thinks his family was normal. They were. I think his family was weird. He thinks my family was weird. That's just what it is. Normal is whatever you do, right? And right. and And... and and something that's not normal is whatever you don't do. And so in my family, both my parents were professionals. We were raised by a nanny. Both parents worked. There was no division of labor based on gender. So um, if my mom came home and the trash needed to be tossed, she grabbed the, the trash and she tossed it. If my dad came home and toilets needed to be scrubbed, he put on those yellow gloves and went and scrubbed toilets. I did not have a family that had division of labor based on gender or division of labor based at all. It was whatever the need was in the house, that's what we were going to do. And so I grew up, went into the workforce, and just expected that my life would be exactly like how I was raised. And so I would go off to work, and in the Bay Area, um, a 90-minute commute is not uncommon, and so I would drive an hour and a half up and an hour and a half back, and then I would go to teach my ladies Bible study, and by the time I got home, it was 9, 9.30, and my husband would be sitting there on the couch, the house would be a mess, and he'd be like, baby, you're finally home, what's for dinner? And I'd be like, okay, because kids, I grew up in a different format. Yeah, different. And, so, and so he grew up in a house where mom stayed at home, dad went to work, and mom handled all of this, and dad came home from work, the right he, way. He, kissed, he kissed his wife, he kissed his wife, yeah, yeah. He kissed his wife and spanked the kids, and then they had dinner, and then mom took back over. And usually and in so, that order. Yeah, and so that Kissed was wife, normal have dinner, him. spank the kids. Right, <laughs> and so I would get home and have to cook dinner, bathe, bath, and by then, we're way past bedtime. We're way past any sort of sense of normalcy in our lives, and everything's chaotic, and we had to stop. So number one, talk it out and create rules together. We actually had to sit down at the table one day and map out what our marriage looked like, what our family, our kids were going to look like, and what everything was going to be, how this thing was going to work. Because if what not, was required, we were not going yeah. to make it. Okay. What we were asking of them as being part of our family, what was expected, and then the agreed upon consequence if they didn't fulfill the action. So we did that beforehand, not while we were mad in the moment. Right. That makes sense? So, so it's really important. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So sit down and talk about it. It does look like a business meeting. I'm not going to lie. You're going to sit down with your laptops and you're going to say, Okay, 
what do we want our marriage to look like in 20 years? What do we want our kids to do in 20 years? What do we want this family to look like? We, do we want our kids to leave and never come back? Or we want our kids to be a part of our lives? How is this all going to work out? And we had to do that. And then the bio parent is the one that lays down the law. Okay. Uh -oh. if, if you are in a blended family, bio parent has to be the heavy. Because let me tell you, you can become a wicked stepmother or father in a heartbeat if you are the one that has to lay down the law. So you actually have to take a step back and let bio parent take care of that. That's critically. We, that cost us money right there. That was free to you, but it cost us money to learn that. We went to therapy because we were about to kill each other uh, because it wasn't working. And I'd never forget because I was always fun, happy dad. Let's play. Let's go get ice cream. You know, mom, take, okay, they need discipline, mom, because that's how I grew up. Mom, you take care of it. You enforce the rules. And then I didn't like how she enforced the rules because I thought she was being too hard. Because they were my babies and I had to protect them. You got that? Really critical. And so uh, when I found, we were in when counseling and the, and the therapist looks at me and says, uh, she can never discipline the children again. You do it. I'm like, me? Well, she's not doing it right, but I don't want to do it. Because I'm fun, happy dad. And I had to realize my role had to change now. And so it was up to me to say, okay, you're grounded for a month. I mean, two days. <laughs> it was, and it was up to me to enforce it. It was up to me to watch and see that it was done the way we'd ask to try to create those clear boundaries. And you know what happened is one day he looked at me and he said, oh, my God, this parenting thing is ridiculously hard. And I went, oh, yeah. But I didn't say, I told you so. I, I just went, you got this. You got this. It's Okay. <laughs> You know, so encourage one, one another. One of the good advices, okay, if, if you're not the biological advices. parent, advice, did I say vices? Advices. I mean, uh, advice, <laughs> one of the good, some of the good advice uh, that we got was if you're not the bio parent, it's hard, especially when you think that your spouse is making a mistake with their kids, right? That's a huge argument. I don't feel like you're doing the right thing with them, and I want to see them turn out good. And so you don't think that. So you're, and the great advice we got was, and she had to learn this. The question is, if your neighbor's kids were acting up, what would you do? Like, you're acting up, right? It's not your responsibility. And so that's actually what the therapist said to her. Act like they're the neighbor's kids. <laughs> and she's like, well, what if they don't turn out all right? It's his problem. It's such a relief. And when she backed off, I had to step up. Because I didn't want them to go out of control. So I had to step up and become a real parent. And, and that was why I said, this is tough. I didn't like it. it we, listen, we got to the, to the place where um, if we told the kids, hey, it's Saturday, it's time to, to, to clean rooms, they would say, who's checking, you or dad? Well, because we check different, right? So dad would open the door and look in and go, yeah, it looks good. I would actually look under the bed and in closets. And so see the difference? Yeah. Okay, number two. Number two, accept your differences and present a united front. Accept oh, your differences so and present a united front. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so that you must also forgive. There is nothing worse than one parent yelling at another parent over something that the kid has done in front of the child. It's horrible. And it sets up teams. And let me just tell you, kids are smart. They're looking at you going, let me see which one's the weakest link. Which one can I manipulate more? 
Because they're watching that. They want their way. And so the next time that you ask them to do something, they're looking at you if you're if they think you're the weaker link, like, I don't have to listen to you. Dad doesn't listen to you. Why should I? Okay, so always a united front. Discuss your differences behind the scenes. It's important. This is a battle. Come on, guys. I look at it from a guy's standpoint. This is battle. This is war. Don't ever let them see you sweat. Don't ever <laughs> let them see you divided. I mean, you have to be, you know, go behind the scenes, go to the bedroom, close the door. You guys discuss, come out together. Let the kids always see you. Mom and dad, we got this. Y'all better watch out because we're together. Right. And you can't divide us in any way because they'll look for every chink in your armor because we all want our own way. They're not doing anything that's not normal. They're not evil. They just want their own way. So they're going to work to try to get their own way somehow. Yeah. And so parents don't uh, keep a divided front. All right? Is that good? Okay. Number three, don't compete to be the best parent or overcompensate for the other parent. Don't compete to be the best parent or overcompensate for the other parent. That's so important because I see parents all the time that want to be their kid's best friend. They're going to have a lot of best friends in their life. They don't need another best friend. They need a parent. Right. Amen? Right. right. It is so true. I've seen it happen. And then the over, I, I, I fell into this trap right away is that I would overcompensate. I would see her correct them or get on to them. And then I'd be like, oh, come here, you poor little darlings. Let's go get some ice cream. And I'd be trying to, you know, rub on the oil and the salve and, you know, everything's going to be okay. But it was very divisive. Right. So, so our son was uh, probably about eight, and I said, hey, babe, go take out the trash. And so he did. He picked up the trash, and he went outside, and he took it. And, and Doug looked at me and said, he's a little young to be taking out the trash. Why are you making him take out the trash? You know he lost his mother. I'm like, yeah, but he's eight. He can take out the trash. It's not a big deal. No, that's a very big deal. So those kinds of things showed divisiveness, right? And those kinds of things were the overcompensation of something that we couldn't fix. We couldn't bring mom back. There was no way that that was going to happen. So you need to just don't overcompensate. Don't try to compete with one another. Oh, she's making me take out the trash and my dad's not happy about it. That means that taking out the trash is bad. This poor wife one day is going to suffer through that. <laughs> <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 2 Timothy 2 and 5 says, An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Play fair. Right. Play fair. You're not enemies. Right? You're not enemies, and you shouldn't be enemies. And so you shouldn't compete with one another uh, to try to be the best or the favorite or be the good parent. Right. In a Work marriage, together. In a marriage, these two become one, one flesh. It means you're working together. You're not competing against each other. So just that good? keep that in mind. Okay, number four. Don't collude with your children. Don't collude with your children. Proverbs 10.10. 10, Whoever winks the eye and causes trouble and a babbling fool will come to ruin. Hmm. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble and a babbling fool will come to ruin. Now, um... My hairstylist's name is Crystal, and Crystal was doing my hair one day, and um, a teenager and her mom came into the shop, and the teenager said, I just wanted to come and show you my tattoo, and she was probably about 14, and she's like, I wanted to show you my tattoo, and Crystal goes, that's really cool, but I thought you said your dad said no to tattoos, and she goes, 
we don't care what my dad says. My mom took me. And mom said, you know, if he finds out, we're going to be in so much trouble. And she said, yeah, but it doesn't matter now because I got it. and We don't care what he thinks. And I thought to myself in that moment, as I'm getting my hair cut, this mother has just shown this daughter that you don't have to respect a man, that you don't have to respect authority, and that a husband doesn't matter, and that her father's opinion doesn't matter. Don't collude with your children. Be in a united front. That mother showed more disrespect to her husband and showed her daughter things that she will reap later on down the road right. that we won't even be able to know about. This is really critical. Your child is not your best friend. And I know that sometimes we think, well, if we, if we do these kinds of things with them, they're going to tell us more. They're not going to tell you more. Our kids are 23 to 37 now. We sit at Christmas and they tell us stuff they did as kids and we're like, what? We thought we, I thought I had it together. Like I thought I had a good relationship with the kids. I thought I knew what was going on. I didn't know some of the stuff that they did. Bottom line is, do you want to have a marriage at the end when they all leave? Or do you want to sit across from someone that you thought was your enemy all this time? And that really is the key to a solid Christ-centered relationship. That should be your goal. I've seen so many couples that after they get done with the child, it's only a short time. 18 years. Sometimes 20. Occasionally 25. Hopefully not 40. Hopefully not 40. But that's a really relative short period of time. And you want to have something left when they, when they go off because it's actually wonderful. Can't stress how wonderful it is. And then grandbabies come and you go, why didn't I have grandbabies first? Like, oh my God, that's so awesome. We actually told our kids, we're like, we thought you guys were pretty good deals. I mean, we, we used to think you guys were really cool. And then Cameron, our grandson, came along, and we saw what perfection was, and we realized you're not all not that. Not all that. <laughs> all right, number five, set time aside to talk about how your strategies are working. And setting time aside to figure out how your strategies are working is not why you're doing the dishes or in the middle of an argument or, or on a date night. You set aside time to just kind of have a little family business meeting, the two of you, and decide how are we doing? What's bugging you? What's, what's working? What's not working? All of those things are important. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And oftentimes she would, she would see or sense. She'd have that mom sense. Like, mom I know, you're, I know he's up to something. Sense. I know he's <laughs> up to something. And I'd be like, everything's good. You know, he, you better check. That happened once, and we checked, and we found out he was skipping school. Remember that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you knew, but I was like, oh, he's doing great. So communicate. Can I say over-communicate? Especially when you're in that, that season of child rearing. Over-communicate with one another. Listen, build good marriages, because good marriages, um, great parenting comes from a good marriage. It's, it's really important. 75% of all great parenting is good marriage. That's why we all we recommend and we still do it ourselves is to date. Oftentimes I'll ask couples, how long has it been since you dated? And especially with small children, you just look at each other and go, date, what's that? <laughs> we gave up dating a long time ago. Uh, you have to take the time to date. 
Is that okay, Pastor? Pa- Pastor can straighten any of this out once I leave. Yeah. Yep, 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 he has yep. a different opinion. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, because okay. it's, it's critically important to continue dating. Okay, we're going to say this, and this isn't going to be popular, but kids are just a season of your marriage. It's not the whole entire marriage. And I know that in today's day and age where we make kids the center of the universe and everything else falls alongside of it, there's going to come a time when the kids are going to go up and out and have their own lives, and it's just going to be the two of you again. Make sure that you yes, have something, something there. Yeah. Parents, you're only parents for about 18 to 20 years. Then you're not parents anymore. You're always a mother and a father, but you're no longer parenting your children. So you want to talk about that? There are four stages of of your relationship with your your children. From 0 to 15, you're in the coaching stage. You're coaching along. You're You're instructing. You're showing them how to do it right. You're coaching. After they get to about 15, according to their development, it may vary a few years, uh, some may be maybe 12, 13, some may be 16, 17. But that coaching period ends and you become a counselor or you're just counseling them, you're helping them make decisions on their own, helping them come to conclusions. And from about 15 to 18, uh, sometimes 20, you're in that counseling stage. And then after that age, you're a consultant. You only give advice when you're asked. Isn't that awesome? And I say get paid. Like, you want my boss advice? Take me to lunch. Buy lunch, I'll tell you what I think. You're a consultant, right? Get paid for it. <laughs> and then the last stage is once they're, they have their own family, you're a colleague. You become a colleague together. Right. So let's do this thing, guys. Parenting has to be strategic, and making your marriage work is the key to all of it. So we just want to thank you for this time, and we want to pray with you right now that you have strong marriages, that you are able to encourage your community to have strong marriages, and let's just pray with them. You want to pray first? Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for each and every person in this room. I hope that you downloaded to them on purpose the things that you had for them specifically. I hope that your words were spoken over them, Father, and that you had your way in this service. I bless each and every one of them for the time that they took to come to service. I ask you to bless them with traveling mercies as they go back and forth to work. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for Relate. We ask your blessings upon the families of Relate. Yes, Jesus. Every marriage, every home, every family, in the name of Jesus. We pray you're covering over them. I I ask you, Lord, let this church be known that the marriages of this church stay together. That divorce is not a word that is used among your people. Lord, I thank you for strong families and strong marriages and strong church. Let your kingdom come in each of our lives. May your will be done in earth as in heaven in our lives. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you, Relate. God bless you. Thank you for letting us come. Awesome job, guys. Thank you so much. What a good word. Wasn't that good? Wow. If we work on it, if we'll put the the work in, then it will work. I want to encourage you to keep working on it. Keep focused on it. Um, trusting God to help us achieve the goals that we're setting. If you're, if you're waking up today saying, uh, okay, I'm awake, and realizing that you don't have any goals in your marriage, don't have any goals in the relationships with your with, with your kids. You're just like, okay, if you're tackling each day and you don't have any goals, strategies, and I think that's a big part of it, right? What's your strategy? 
Awesome stuff. I love it. Love watching you guys grow, take steps of faith. I want to talk to a group of people that's here today, maybe watching online. It's one thing to say, let's work on our family. It's one thing to say, let's fix this and let's build a strategy here and let's trust God for this. But there's one thing, if you don't have it right, nothing else works. And that is that if you don't have a relationship with God, we can't even, like, the idea of stepping into marriage and making it work. God designed marriage. He made it. If we don't have a relationship with the Creator, how do we expect any other part of life to work? So if today you're sitting here and you don't, you don't know what your relationship with Him looks like, you're unsure, it feels like you're far away from Him, or you're, you're just walking in the dark, you don't have to walk in the dark any longer. Today can be your day. I want us to say a prayer together where it's as simple as you making a decision and committing your life to God. I say it's simple, but it's not easy. Sometimes it's the hardest thing we'll ever do, but it's the best, most amazing thing that you'll ever do is when you surrender your life and say, okay, I don't want to be far from God anymore. I want to be close to God. You know what's amazing about that is that God wants us to be close to Him. He wants to have that face-to-face, -face, intimate relationship with you. And if you don't have that, if you feel like, Pastor, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. You can have it in one decision, in one moment of you inviting Him in. That's why every, we'll not go in a, a week without doing that prayer at the end of every service. Because I believe that it's, it might be the most important thing you've ever done. And if you've never said that prayer, I promise you it will be. So today, I'd like for every one of you, every, everyone within the sound of my voice, would you just bow your head right where you're at and close your eyes with nobody looking around? Here's my promise. I won't ask you to come forward or stand up. or I will ask you this, though. If you want to say that prayer, if you want to be included in that prayer and surrender your life to Him today and not go another day, another moment, not knowing where you're at with Him, if that's you and you're here today, would you just raise your hand with no one looking around? Just put your hand right up and, and you can pull it right back down. Thank you. Wow. So many. Anybody else with nobody looking around? I'm going to give you one more chance to say, Pastor, I want to be included in that prayer. Awesome. Would you... Every person in the room, would you repeat this after me? Let's all pray together so no one's praying alone. Would you pray these words out loud? Dear Heavenly Father, today I surrender my life to you. My life is yours. Lord, I love you. Come into my heart. Fill me. Make me new. Forgive me of my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast this week. We would love to meet you sometime. You can get all the details at www.relatecommunity.com. Pastor Sean and I are praying for you, and we're speaking life over you, and we know that your best days are ahead. See you soon.